0: If you didn't know, we brought Beyonce to church today, so, man, she did. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I want to invite you to stand with me. We always read a passage of scripture. We're in a last week of a series we're calling Man Code, and we're looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, uh, specifically chapter 13, the love chapter. And I'll read it aloud. And then when we're done, what I'd like you to do is, uh, ladies, if you would sit down, and we're going to have the men stay standing, and we're going to read what we're calling the new man code together out loud. Okay? Here we go. I'll read this out loud. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord, ladies, you may be seated, and then men, if you would uh, read this aloud with me, here's the new man code, here we go, ready? Men are patient, men are kind, men do not envy or boast, men are not arrogant or rude, men do not insist on their own way, men are not irritable or resentful, men do not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth, men bear all things, men believe the best about all things. Men have hope for all things, and men endure all things. You may be seated. And guys, if you didn't pick up uh, what we're calling your man card, it's got that new man code printed on it. There's some at the start here desk right out the doors at the end of the service. And what I'm challenging you to do is to take that card, put it on the mirror in your bathroom, and read it every morning for the next six months. Now, I have this little thing I made to put cards in, and I put it there, and I realized that I skipped it a couple mornings, and I want you to put it on the mirror. Now, I'm hoping as a man... That you look in the mirror every day. Uh, if you're single and you can't find a girl, that might be a your problem. Um, you're just not looking in the mirror every day. That might help you. I don't know. A little piece of advice there. Uh, but today, what we're going to talk about as we uh, wrap up this series is the roots, uh, the root system that a man needs to have an unbreakable kind of life. Uh, now, here's what Paul's talking about in this little specific passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, He gives an image that is actually helpful to us as men. Uh, He says that now we see things as uh, a a reflection in a mirror. The original language, the Greek that's there reads, uh, we see things uh, like a riddle. That's what the word actually means. But I've got a picture here of an ancient Roman mirror that Paul would have seen or used. They didn't have bathrooms like we have bathrooms, so they would have a polished piece of metal. Now, obviously, this has been tarnished by a couple thousand years of weather, uh, but they would... They would shine this thing up as much as they possibly could, and they would hold it up, and they would do what you and I do, look in a mirror. And they wouldn't quite see clearly what they were like. Now, this is a, Paul's not only saying physically they couldn't see themselves, but they didn't really fully understand what they were looking at. And this is us. This is actually a very powerful truth, is that when we see ourselves, we don't always really see ourselves, the way other people see us, you, you, you know people who they'll say things about something's going wrong in their life, and they'll blame this, or they'll blame that, and what you're wanting to say is, no, you don't understand, it's you. <laughs> you're the problem, and we don't like that. We don't like to look at ourselves and see that we're, uh, we're part of the problem, and Paul says when we look at ourselves, it's kind of a riddle. It's kind of a mystery. We don't fully understand ourselves. And this is actually great for us as guys, because we can say to the women around us, look, we don't even understand ourselves. We're sorry, right? It's almost like an apology we can offer. So Paul says, now we see this riddle we don't fully understand. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. He paints this picture of a parent raising a child. And you know how it is, parents. You raise a child from the time they're little to the time they're big. And you'll say something to them about the time they're 12 or 13, when they're smarting off to you and telling you how great, how much they know. You'll say, "I know you better than you know yourself." Right? The kid, no clue. They, no, you don't. And you're like, yeah, I do. And you smile when they tell you the things they tell you, and you laugh and internally. And you, you know, Paul says God sees us in that way. He knows us fully. And so when we're complaining about our life and we're frustrated with our life, God, like a parent, knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us fully. But there's coming a day when we'll know fully too. So he talks about then. What's then? When I see the Lord face to face. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, we've had, by my count, at least 10 people who are either a real lifer or family of a real lifer who have passed away. And in my time as a pastor, it's just a really condensed, uh, condensed thing. So there's a lot of people who are grieving. And by my count, uh, since the spring, so just a few months, there's been about 20 people who have passed away. And what I want to say to you who've lost someone, uh, just as a word of comfort, is that this is their reality now. They see things fully. They don't have any mysteries anymore. There's no riddles. There's no confusion. The tears and the confusion on our end, they don't have that. They see God's bigger picture. And I want to offer that to you as a word of comfort. But in the meantime, Paul says, what God does is he gives us gifts to help us sort out the riddles. And the three things he gives us are faith, hope, and love. And that the greatest of these, Paul says, to all of us, and the men specifically, is love. Now, if you had more faith in your life, if you had more certainty, more trust, more confidence, more clarity, that's all what faith means. If you had those things in an unbounding kind of measure in your life, your life would be better, right? You had more clarity, more clarity better picture of what life meant but Paul says that's not the greatest thing if you had more hope in your life you had more purpose and you had more strength and you had more energy all those things come from hope if you had that in your life what a powerful life you would lead but Paul says not that that's not even the greatest thing he says that the greatest of these three things these gifts left to help us sort through the riddle is love like some of you know remember mama Muhammad Ali uh greatest boxer who ever lived at least according to him what would he say I am the greatest right some of you are like who's Muhammad Ali Google is your friend right you figure that out but this is what God would say to you as a man the the greatest thing that you could take away as a man is love and if you had to pick one pick love so here's what we're going to do is I'm going to do my best to uncover or unpack the riddle of being a man and I'm going to start with the roots and go to the fruits of being a man, and I'm gonna be really plain about it, and then we'll unpack it, and at the end, we've got a panel of some dads that are gonna um, help us understand that. Here's, Here's the roles of a man in chronological order, in other words, the order in which they're supposed to happen, okay? It goes like this, a son who's wanted, a brother who's connected, a man of God, a husband who tends, and a father who blesses. This is the way God intended us. First you're a son, then you're a brother, then you're a man, then you're a husband, and then you're a father. Now, let, before we say how this is supposed to be, how it's meant by God to be, let's talk about the, when, we, when we reverse this. Because honestly, in our culture, we've reversed this. We've started with you're a father who blesses. Now, when I say that, some of you are saying, well, I'm not a dad. Well, what, what I'm referring to is your ability to bring something into the world and to make something happen, to produce something. It could be a table, it could be a spreadsheet, it could be a business, it could be a paycheck, or it could be a child. And it's, it's referring to your ability to, in every way, sow your seed into the world and make something grow, right? This is part of what it means to be a man, but when we flip this whole order around and you start there, you start trying to be successful according to whatever image you think a man is supposed to be and so what happens in life when you start backwards is life becomes an endless scramble to succeed you're always trying to live up to you're always trying to be uh become and strive and you you're focusing on the fruit of a man's life but you're focusing on the fruit without the root so here's what happens Then, then because this is usually where we start as men like look how look how great i am look what i've done look what i've produced when you start at that place, you might add the others on. You, know, you might become a husband, but uh, this is honestly why in our culture there's an epidemic of fatherlessness because there's a bunch of guys who started with the fruit and not the root. And they're like, girl, I did my part. It's up to you, girl. <laughs> and so they don't want to become a husband because that means that they'd have to be responsible. Uh, they might have some, have some, have some bros, you know, that they hang out with. They, there's even, a, I won't say the whole phrase, but bros before. <laughs> Th- this is why, see, then they, then they might become a man of God, but really, someone who becomes a man of God often, or they try to become spirituals when life gets desperate. I had a, a guy that was part of a church, a help pastor in Virginia, another state, and uh he got married wanted to have a kid they couldn't have kids and so he decided to give religion a try he's like, i'm gonna come to church so he came to church he got baptized uh, a couple years after his wife got pregnant great guy please i'm not saying he's a bad dude do you know what happened a couple years when he had that baby <laughs> he's like i got what i wanted i'm gonna go back to my life so he was out of desperation uh, then uh, then you, might, you might deal with the fact that you're a son, but so many men have a disconnection from their father and they felt like they couldn't please their dad or they're, they're mad at their dad for the things they wish their dad had done. And so there's kind of this father wound. This is why we have kind of an epidemic in our culture. There are men who are not rooted in anything and this is why there's men who live in their mother's basement playing video games until they're 28, <laughs> Right? Because it's the fruit without the root. Now listen, fruit without root will always rot. Right? Fruit without root, it's going to soon rot. Take a strawberry, put it on your counter, leave it there for four days. Green stuff, fruit flies. Listen, this is exactly what Beyonce was saying in that song. Right? She's making the cry of every woman. Please get the order of this right. Let me me read you some of the words from her song. But you're just a boy. You don't understand how it feels to love a girl someday. You'll wish you were a better man. You don't listen to her. You don't care how it hurts. Until you lose the one you wanted because you've taken her for granted. Listen to what she says. And everything you have got destroyed. What she's saying, it's rot. But you're just a boy. Now, I don't want to speak for women, but I, I think this is the cry of women, is because they're saying, and maybe without the language to say it, hey, men, could you please get this in the right order? Because we're tired of dealing with things that are rotten. Is that fair, ladies? Yeah. So, okay, now maybe you feel like I'm beating you up. I just want to explain. That's, that's what happens when you get it wrong, right? Fruit without root will soon rot. So... I want to suggest to you, I want to tell you that there's a God-ordained way to go about being a man. Now, you might fight against this, you might not like it, uh, but it'll be like fighting gravity, you'll scream all the way down, okay? (laughs) It starts with being a son who's wanted. We talked all about this last week. You weren't here last week, go back, watch the message from last week. But we talked about the, the word that Jesus heard before he'd done anything or accomplished anything was the word that every man wants from their father, from the other men in their life that says you are my son who I love with you I'm well pleased you belong to me I want you and you've done well and for many of us as men we have a father wound we couldn't either connect with our dad or we couldn't please our dad or to this day we can't forgive our dad or it's uneasy with our dad and what we need to hear is the message of Jesus the message of Jesus is that God can father you that God Uh, that you can receive the fathering love of God in place of a dad who was inadequate. And at some point, all of us as men have to look at our dad and recognize that he was a human being who did the best that he could. And to move on with our life, we have to forgive our dad and let our dad be a human being like we're a human being. But until that moment comes, until we're able to do that, until we have to start at the right place, we have to understand that we're a son that's wanted by our Heavenly Father. You, You have to have that. Uh, then you've got to be a brother who's connected. This is how Peter says it in the New Testament. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another, what's the word? Deeply, Deeply from the heart. Not, not on the surface. Deeply. In other words, who do you sit across from at the table and as, a, as, an, as another man and you bear your soul? Now, we're honestly not great at this as men. Women are good at this. They meet each other for coffee, and then they talk. And I'm like, oh, and then what happened? Oh, and then what do you say? Oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And then, oh, and how'd that make you feel? Oh, really? Oh, my gosh, that's so terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, this one time. Yeah, we, men don't do that, right? <laughs> I've watched it happen, right? <laughs> men, men don't do that, right? We kind of get shoulder to shoulder. But you've got to, if you're going to have the root system that goes down, you've got to have a brother that you sit across the table from that you learn to love deeply and you bear your soul to that person. Well, here's what I mean by bearing your soul. You're honest about what you're struggling with and you admit your mistakes. See, many, many men have bros. They don't have brothers. I think that's the difference. So I could tell you names. Uh, if you were here this summer, uh, my uh, friend from the seventh grade all the way through, we were roommates all the way through college, Dr. Scott Dooley. He, Pat, he's the hospital administrator of the hospital we support in Kujip, uh, Papua New Guinea. They're the only hospital for miles and miles and miles around in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. And uh, when we graduated from college, Scott gave me this uh, little thing with scripture on it from the Proverbs that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And what he was saying was, You've sharpened me. And I just said it right back to him, I said, But you've sharpened me as much as I've sharpened you. And the number of times we've borne our souls to each other and said, This is what I'm really sure sh- I'm not sure what to do. And I could give you other names. I could tell you about Walt, and I could tell you about Michael, and I could tell you about Greg, and I could tell you about David, and I could tell you about Jim. So I, I just gotta ask you who you got? Because you can't make the journey of being a man by yourself. You've got to have some brothers. John Wesley, one of my heroes uh, from the 1700s, he said, if I could find for every man a soul friend, their possibility for growth in grace would be endless. If you've been around, you've heard me tell a story about when I was in seminary, I took a class where we went backpacking in the wilderness of Colorado and the mountain peaks and and uh, we hiked up one day at Mount Harvard, 14,000 feet, me and two other guys. And if you've ever done that at elevation, you know how hard it is to walk and catch a breath. And we, we, would, we encouraged each other all the way to the top. We're like, should we turn around? No, just a little bit further. We made it. The very next day, I, we tried to go up another peak, and some of the guys got ahead of me. And I got stuck. I said, hey, I need to rest for a second. And I stopped, and I kept going. And when it got to the hard, hard spot do you know what I did? I quit because I was alone. Listen, you're not going to climb the mountain unless you got some brothers. You're not going to do it. So you got to have some brothers. Uh, Then the third thing in chronological order is you become a man of God, a man of God, different kind of man. This is how Paul said it to the kid that he mentored, Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this. He's talking about all the things that would destroy you as a man and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness fight the good fight of faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called you're 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 called to be a different quality of man not perfect being perfected and you know how some you know how metal gets uh, the pure impurities get taken out of metal you know what they use heat and pressure do you know how a diamond is formed Heat and pressure in the core of the earth and god takes heat and pressure and his love and he uses that to perfect us as men and make us different kind of men what if here's what here's what paul's saying what if you were known by the way you love people as a man not that you're a manly man many of us want to be known for the image that that's what a man is what if you were known but for the kind of man that you are on the inside? That's, that's the kind of man I want to be. Then, you've got to, then you become, uh, after you're a son and a brother and a man, you become a husband who tends. This is how Paul says it. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. L- l- the, the, word, the image I'm trying to convey here is that your wife is like a garden. And what do you do with a garden? You tend the garden. You nurture the garden. Uh, you you weed the garden, you fertilize the garden. And your wife, listen, ladies, I'm not saying that you're incapable and without us, you can't do it. I'm simply saying that, men, our job is to help our wife become what God meant them to be. And by weeds, I I don't mean pointing out the things that you say are wrong with your wife. I'll tell you a weed you got, you got to pull that out. (laughs) That's not what I mean. Her weeds are her pains. And as men, we want to walk in and fix things. I get it, I'm that way want to walk. Just tell me the problem. I'll solve the problem for you. I want you to listen to them and then help them pull out the pain and then fertilize their hopes and their dreams. Then, and this is intentionally the last thing in the order, is that then you become a father who blesses. Uh, this is how one of the very last verses of the Old Testament uh, reads in the prophet Malachi. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And then a warning, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. In other words, it's kind of like, if you get the whole message of the Old Testament, if you get what God's after, the end result of that will be dads whose hearts and emotions and words are turned toward their children. Not distracted by their jobs, not distracted by providing, but they're actually turned and devoted toward the well-being of their children and the children in turn will turn toward their fathers now this is intentionally last because you're a father after you're a husband and the reason for that is that you need the roots to support the fruits do you understand that we get that backwards and this is why we are in the situation that we're in but that you're called to be a father who blesses now listen that means that you don't just provide some men think i go to work I earn a paycheck, I make sure they have clothes, I make sure that they're they're fine, and I've done my job. No, you have not. That is a part of your job, but your job is to become a father who is able to bless your children. If you don't become a father who blesses, their hearts are not going to turn toward you. When you bless, what do you do? You're empowering someone to try, right? And you're encouraging them to grow. Hey, son, you can do that. I believe in you. I, I, I know you can do that. I'm, 100, I'm 100% for you, son. Sweetheart, I know you tried that, but it's okay. You can try again. You can pick yourself up. It's okay. Come here, give me a hug. See, you've you got to become that kind of a dad, a father who blesses, because that's what fathers do. They empower their kids to try, and they encourage their kids to grow. Now, you may say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a dad, so I guess this does, doesn't apply to me. No, th- you can have this mindset or this attitude toward people in general. Dak Prescott is the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and Tony Romo was hurt, and Dak was a rookie, and he's waiting in the wings, and they put him in, and he outperformed and became the quarterback. Now he's the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. There's a picture of him here. And uh, he had a really has a really interesting story. He grew up in a trailer in Louisiana uh, to a single mother, and when he was in high school as a sophomore, the starting quarterback got hurt. He went in, took his job for the rest of high school. When he went off to Mississippi State as a sophomore, the the starting quarterback got hurt, he stepped in, took over for the rest of this time at Mississippi State, and then repeated itself with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's an interesting guy. He's about, I think he's 24 years old. He's got a master's degree in organizational leadership, and he's helped to change the whole atmosphere of the clubhouse. All the players comment about the kind of leader that he is. And uh, running back for the Dallas Cowboys, um, Ezekiel Elliott, he's gotten into some trouble. He had some domestic abuse allegations, and uh, I was reading an interview about the whole thing. And and you would think that someone like this who wants to protect his image would not associate with someone like that because I don't want to be seen as someone who does that kind of thing. But he had this really interesting thing to say. He said, I take pride in helping him on the field and off the field. What's he doing? He's blessing him. And you can become that kind of father. Well, I got some dads that are going to come up right now. I'm going to invite them up. And we're going to have a a short conversation about being a dad. So if you could give them a welcome as they come up. We're going to talk about being a dad with these guys right here. Here's a microphone for somebody. There you go. So this is, uh, right here, this is Johnny, uh, and Johnny has uh, raised a daughter all the way. You've done it? Yeah. Hands off? Yeah? No. no, Did it
1: perfectly? Yeah, it was great. Uh, I wrote a book. Uh, (laughs) And then Aaron. It's a two-page book with two question
0: marks. (laughs) And Aaron is right in the middle of it, has a daughter and a son. They're uh, elementary school age, younger age. And then read any day now. Uh, literally any day now, is going to become a father for the first time. Uh, so, like a week, two weeks, three weeks.
2: A dad. I'm going to be a dad. I'm he's already gonna, a father. He's going to be a
0: dad. He's gonna be a, uh, yeah, a dad. Father. Yeah. I listened. So, uh, so, uh, so, we'll start with Johnny. What, thinking about raising Gabby, what was your goal in raising her?
1: Uh, for my daughter, I wanted a daughter really badly. Uh, so I was really excited, obviously, to have a daughter, and one of my goals for my daughter was to be able to make sure that she was uh, the best of both of us. I wanted her to have the parts that my wife loved in me and the parts that I loved about my wife. So in and around the, 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 the nuances of that, ultimately, that was the,
3: the thing I wanted. I wanted her to have the best of both of us. Good. Good. About you, Aaron? Well, for me, when my kids were born, my daughter's eight, my son is five. When they were born, I was super idealistic about who they were going to become in their lives. They were going to be successful, make lots of money, but also change the world, make a difference in people's lives. And I quickly realized that that was my ideal image of who they were going to become. And as a broken person, and a broken father, the way that we build our own images is we have a tendency to tear things down. And over the last couple of years, I've, I've realized that that's not how God builds someone. God God created, laid down his life, and then frees people. Um, so I want my kids to know their worth and value to God and, and fully understand the image of God that's, that's already in them.
0: And so, Reed, you're thinking about this. What do you want your goal to be for this little unknown bundle? We, we don't know that. He won't tell us. The uh, sex they know. No, they tell no us. We, we affectionately call him Scoochie, or, or her. her, yeah, or right, or her.
2: Scoochie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm low expectation dad, um, and uh, that's because I don't know what I'm doing, and uh, that's how my parents were with me. Thanks, dad. Um, so, uh, in in all honesty, like I, I just want I want my kids to know that they're valued and they're and they're loved by me. Um, and I want them to know the, the joy and hope and the freedom that comes with knowing Jesus Christ that I've found in my own life. So um, with that, everything else I feel like is fixable. We'll work We'll work it out. on it from there. Yeah, That's we'll good. That's good. Out. I'm a dad too, so three kids,
0: uh, 12, 9, and 7. My goal for my kids is uh, is that they are good and that they love God. I sometimes will tell them, I don't care if you're happy. Um, <laughs> We put such a premium on happiness as parents. Uh, like, that's the ultimate good. You know, if my kid's happy, happiness depends on circumstances, on what happens. And that's not always going to be good. And so I tell them, I don't really care if you're happy. I want you to be good, and I want you to love God. And if they do that, my estimation is they'll be happy. So, yeah, that's my, my thing. So, what have you done right and in that goal that you had? And what have you done wrong?
1: I think one of the things I did for my daughter was to let her be happy.
0: Right. Good. It's great.
1: I kid, I kid. Uh, for, for, for me, one of the things that I, that I have always prided myself on uh, as a father is that, and I'm, and I'm grateful, in my office at home I've got a thing on the computer that I taped there a long time ago, and it's things that I'm thankful for God for. And one of those things is that he has kept me in relationship with my daughter. And it's so hard. I know anybody who's had a daughter, uh, boys too. But for some reason, girls go through this thing that I call the uh, the blackout. You know, like when you lose signal on your phone, or you're in the, you you have no signal for a while. Well, like twelve to something teen, you lose the signal. You know, for a girl. For a girl. For a girl, where like she could be right here and be a million miles away. There's so many, and I, I can explain to you why, but. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just—it's just this time, and I've had it. So many people have said that, so I, I know it's a, where you just can of lose them. So, in that time, uh, it's pivotal to, to remain as a parent to remain. So we, we did that. I did the best job I could at that, and and to this day, our daughter has great relationship with us. She will tell us anything. Anything. Be careful what you ask for. And, uh, but I treasure that because, the, you know, that's one of the things. We love each other. We, we tell each other we love each other. We hug, and, and uh, you know, we still go on dates. We just went on a date to see a scary movie the other night. That's what, that was her idea, and we change up who asks, you know, and we've always done that because, I, you know, the whole I want to show her how, how a guy is supposed to treat a girl. And so that kind of thing, I make her pay, so it's fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So so what do you feel like you you didn't get right?
1: Uh, You know, looking back, as a a parent, it's easy, (laughs) hindsight 2020, to see the things where you messed up. To see, like, ah, because, you know, I always tell people, we give our kids our luggage and say, you can either pick it all up, this is all the stuff I brought to our relationship and we had you, and this is everything we are, good and bad, you can pick it up or leave it, take what you want that's good, keep what you want that's bad or that's good and drop the stuff that's bad off and leave it there don't pick it up do something different i give you the right to do that but i think that looking back there's so many things that uh i would love to be able to shift and and do differently one of those things is i've been involved in the church for a lot of years and doing a lot of things in the church and and uh all wonderful things and just so blessed and fortunate to let god uh, use our family in that way but Uh, Looking back, I realized that there for a while I was using my, my walk, my journey as a tool to, like, I'm assuming because she's with me doing godly stuff, she's getting godly things spoken into her life, and like, I assumed that was happening, like, I didn't say I'm not doing anything about it, but I realized, looking back, I assumed that because I put her in a garage that she would be a Chevy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I wish I could change that. I wish I could go back and, mm-hmm. and, and really make a definite split between uh, that life and like, our you, life Because she God. was
0: around you, you she, felt like she was on your ju- She she was like taking your journey.
1: Yes, I assume because we would go on mission trips together and do this and that and all these things and we'd have these great church services and kids are getting saved and she's crying and all this stuff is happening, all these things, that it's, okay, as a parent, you know what I'm saying. It's working.
3: Hmm.
1: It's working. And so for me, I just, I let the it's working thing in my head subconsciously go. And I
3: wish I would have done that differently. Yeah. Aaron, what about you? Well, for me, I'll start with the thing that I feel like I need to work on, um, and that's being more more present when I'm at home. Um, as good as it is to be connected all the time and as many advantages as that gives us, um, when we are connected here, we're sacrificing a connection somewhere else. And as good as it is to be able to sell a hot tub when I'm sitting on my couch, um, I'm sacrificing somewhere else. Um, And I feel like I need to work on that for the sake of my kids and my wife. Um, One thing I feel like um, Diane, my wife, and I do really well, um, and this is more because of her than probably because of me, but uh, one of my favorite quotes about parenting is from Henry Nouwen, and he says that our children are the greatest guests that we will ever have in our home. Um, And I feel like that's something we do really well. We create a safe, forgiving And loving environment for our kids to be who they are Um, and I feel like that's something we want to continue to do um, as they grow up.
0: So Reed you got a unique perspective because you work with the kids of other dads and so give us a a picture from your vantage point of some of the things you see dads do that maybe are not working so well.
2: Yeah and and just for perspective like I, I do uh, I work with kids that don't have dads. I work with kids who have absentee dads, not present at all. And, and I work with kids who have very active dads in their life. And, um, and uh, this is a, a really strong, it, it's really prevalent to see all, all of our, we have a ton of kids um, that have uh, depression and anxiety and, uh, and it's, it's coming from somewhere. And, uh, and I think that that falls on us as dads or on, as fathers, even on me as, as a father to them. Um, but we, we uh, as what was mentioned earlier, as uh, we try to mold these kids into something that we think is successful, whatever our, in our mind is success, um, and we try to mold these kids into that. And we tend to, to kind of squelch the, the person in them, the dreamer in them. Um, and I, I kind of tell all of our kids that they're dreamers and that they have a passion and they, uh, they have a purpose. Whatever their passion is, is their purpose. They were wired that way for a reason. And, uh, and to go after that with, with all everything they have. Um, and we tend to, as fathers, as dads, um, say, okay, well, like, you don't make money doing that. or uh, And, and, we, and it's, I think it's a much bigger impact um, than just... Trying to steer them in the right direction—it's it's a much bigger impact on their personality. It, uh dads
0: are—you see some dads kind of squelching with their kids. Yeah, that potential of on. what they of what yeah. they could be in whatever whatever their passion is. Okay, Aaron, what are some things you see dads struggling with?
3: Well, one thing that I see, um, and even even for me, is um, dads don't do as well at helping their kids develop emotional intelligence. Um, I feel like some dads are really quick to 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 jumping to well, you need to learn how to mow the lawn, you need to learn how to take out the garbage, and you need to learn, and we're good at that type of thing. But for me, I want to be the kind of dad and see other dads that are, that are quick to be people who love first and hug first and forgive first and, and do those things that, that help our kids to, to develop emotionally as well.
1: Johnny? Uh, for me, I think one of the things that I see a lot is parents that, uh, again, like I said, we're just kids that grew up. What we have on our kids is time. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think that a lot of times, let's just say there's a lot of dads out there that become the Toys R Us kid. I don't want to grow up on a, Right? So they didn't. Hmm. And so everything is about them. Me, 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 I, my, me, I, my. We call it the me monster. And those me monsters do lots of things for themselves. They take everything out of every conversation is about them and this and that. But they also take away from their children's uh, not not just the time with them, but they take away from the joy. They want the joy. And they they keep it for themselves in every situation. And uh, so, lots of times I see that the me monster rears its ugly head. Yeah. Let's say thanks
0: to these guys for
1: this. Yep.
0: Well, here's, here's the reality, is wherever you are on the journey of being a man, however well you feel like you've done that or not done that, the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, is you can always start over. And you may go, I've just gotten this all backwards. I mean, I started in the wrong place. Great. <laughs> now you know where you are. You can start by saying, okay, God, I need to be your son. I need to know you want me. And then when, when you've got that, that, you're a son that's wanted, then you can reach out to another guy and say, okay, it's okay for me to let down my guard and start to learn to love another man in a deep way. And then I can become a different kind of man. And then I can become a husband who tends. And then you can go on the journey at any point, you can start that journey. You've probably heard the Chinese proverb, you know, what's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago, what's the second best time to plant a tree? Today, right? You start that journey today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do as men in just a second. Uh, We made these wristbands up right here. They're all over the stage up here, and they just say on it, this journey, wanted, connected, man of God, tens, blesses. And if you want to go on that journey, and you want to You want to, from here on out, you're going to have God's help, and you're going to go on that journey. In just a second, I'm asking you to stand up as a man and come down here and get one of these, and then I'm going to pray over you, a new generation of men who do this in a different way. Uh, Because you've got to commit. You've got to make the decision, this is what I'm going to do. So if you're a man and you want to do that, you want to be on that journey, I want to invite you to stand up right now, come down and grab one of these. I'm going to I'm going to pray for you once you get down here, all right? So stay down here for a second. I'm going to pray for you, all right? Pray. God, I thank you for this new generation of men. Some of them have uh, gray in their hair and uh, they've made some mistakes. Thanks that there's always a new start with you. Always. So thanks for their courage, their example that they're setting by standing down here today. Lord, I think about uh, some of these young men who on on the other end of the spectrum, they don't have a lot of life experience and uh they they need a new way and so I, I thank you for them and what you're starting in them and lord I I look forward to the generation of men that aren't sitting in this room that we in a number of years look back and they say because of one of the men because of a man standing right here today I'm different I know who I am and I know my purpose and so god I I pray For these men, that they would not only have the courage to accept what you say about them, but they would accept the responsibility to invest in the men around them. So that we go on this journey together as brothers. So I pray that strength and courage for them as they take this journey today. And all the men and all the women in the room said, Amen. Amen. Well, you're sent now to love God, to love people and to serve the world. Hug a man, tell him you love him. We made a ridiculous video about dad jokes you can watch as you exit. Here you go.
3: What's the leading cause of dry skin?
0: Don't know? Towels. Owls. 'Cause you dry you yourself dry yourself off. That's a very good point. What do you call a lonely cheese? A lonely cheese? Mm-hmm. Hmm. hmm Provolone. <laughs> kind of impartial Provolone, that sounds pretty good. Well the other day I, I told my wife she drew her eyebrows too high. Uh-huh. She seemed
3: surprised. Surprised.
0: Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. like, like this, I get it. Did you hear that uh, FedEx and UPS are emerging? Mm-hmm. Their new name's gonna be FedUp. <laughs> that would be a good name for them. Mm-hmm. Why did the uh, can crusher quit his job? Cause it was so depressing.
2: That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's all right. What's brown and sticky?
0: A lot of things, Reed. A lot of things. A stick. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Yeah. Why was the big cat disqualified?
2: I don't know.
1: Because it was a cheetah.
2: What do you call a fish with no eyes?
1: Okay. There you go. What do you call
2: a fat psychic? Ooh, what do you call a fat psychic?
1: Fortune
2: teller.
0: Fortune teller.
2: (laughs) Fortune teller.
0: Fortune. Fortune. I
1: got it.
2: How much does a hipster weigh? An Instagram?
1: I know you. You wouldn't get it. Uh,
0: did you hear about the kidnapping at school? It's fine. He woke up. <laughs>
2: That's good. What's
0: E.T. short for?
3: Because he's got little legs. <laughs> All right.
1: That was that was almost good. That was almost good. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? I don't know. Ten tickles. (laughs) How do you make a Kleenex, dance? How? Put a little boogie in. Hmm. 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 Did you know that the first French fries weren't cooked in France? They were cooked in grease. <laughs> Where does the one legged waitress work? Where? I hop. <laughs> what did the buffalo say to his son when he dropped down from school? What? By son.